Hello and welcome to episode 14 of ON The Saints. I'm your host, Patrick Serlis. With me on the other end of the line is my co-host, Jack Serlis. Jack, how are you doing? Buzzing after that three points. How are you? Yeah, very good, thanks. We are chatting uh, about half an hour after Saints 3-1 victory over Watford at Vicarage Road. So, yeah, I mean, I guess we can jump straight into it. Actually, before we do jump straight into it, I just wanted to say... um, Massively appreciate it. If you can follow us on our social channels, we're at OWT Saints Pod, uh, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, um, lots of content up there. Uh, but yeah, Watford, Jack, what do you think? What do you make of that performance? I mean, it was quality, wasn't it, from start to finish? They, they were very one dimensional. They were really poor. It wasn't the biggest test, but I mean, I think mm. everything about our performance was just so, so different to that Arsenal game on Thursday. And I think we just looked quality all over the pitch defensively midfield I thought Romeo had a brilliant game we'll obviously come on to Danny Ings later but he was unbelievable but yeah all across the pitch I think everyone was on their game yeah I mean just to kind of tee up what we'll be talking about as you mentioned we'll come on to Danny Ings scored twice today um last time we spoke was uh last last week after the the Norwich victory since then Saints lost at home to Arsenal 2-0 and then they've just played today on Sunday, uh, beating Watford. So uh, we'll discuss both of those games, probably focus a little bit more on the Watford game. And then towards the end, we'll preview up next Saints are in action on next Sunday at home to Man City. Um, But let's start with Watford. Um, Danny Ings, two goals, 17th and 18th Premier League goals of the season. Only Jamie Vardy has scored more than him now. He's one behind... Vardy in the race for the Golden Boot. Six games to go. No Southampton player has ever won the Premier League Golden Boot. Do you think he can do it, Jack? I mean, to come back and get three goals in his three games back. And I don't think Vardy's been that on it since coming back. So, I mean, there are obviously other players up there, Bamiang and I think Salah's up there as well. But I think if he carries on this form, there's no reason why he can't get that golden boot. And it's just, it's unbelievable. He's got 18 goals this season. Doesn't even take penalties. Mm. And in a team that's, you know, struggled for a large, large portion of the season, we, we, we don't dominate games um, all the time. Yeah. So to get 18 goals is unbelievable. And I think every, every team wants to have that talisman. We've had a few in the past, haven't we, with Ricky and with you know, J-Rod and Graziano. But Danny Ings being a local lad, it just seems like such a popular guy. I love him. I love him. It's a bit of a cliche, but like, like you said, every team wants a 20-goal season mm. striker. Uh, Saints have one. Danny Ings now is on 21 for the season in all competitions, and it's the first time we've had a 20-goal striker while playing in the Premier League uh, since 2003, which was James Beattie. Uh, Ricky obviously got more than 20 in our, in our promotion mm. season from the Championship in, in, in 11-12. But as you mentioned, like we were so poor for the first three, four months yeah. of the season. So, on the one hand, to get 18 Premier League goals is amazing. Also, that victory over Watford means we're now on the magical mark of 40 points, um, which is huge. Again, considering where we were, if you think back to where we were before we played Watford um, in the reverse fixture at home, which I think was mm. in December, went 1-0 down, didn't we? Saw scoring in the first half and, and, and turned it around and people can pinpoint different games about when we we kind of turned our season around but that was it was right around that period and if you look at us now going up to 40 points it's yeah. huge and and we've got six games to go 
we've got some tough games in there, which we'll come on to, but, it, yeah, but it's amazing. Yeah. Um, I think I was just going to say, just back on like the, the striker talk. I mean, yeah, you look at other teams around us in the table, the likes of Newcastle that signed what spent a lot of money on someone like Joe Linton, um, just hasn't hit the ground running. And I think if you other clubs that are maybe further down the table, like Villa, would look at someone like Danny Ings and just you just want someone like that in your team, don't they? There's so many teams in that bottom half of the division that just don't have a goal scorer. And I think we're so, so lucky just to have someone that's red hot at the moment and just to be yeah. taking these chances because I mean, last season or the season before, maybe if we had Charlie Austin up there, maybe, you know, it would take him four or five chances to bury it. But it seems to be at the moment, exactly. Danny Ings would just score one and two. or maybe, Do you know what I mean? He just gets a couple chances and scores. Yeah. He's so, so clinical and efficient in front of goal. Yeah, I mean, Watford, I think, fall yeah. into that category as well. Um, with Deeney up front, I mean, you mentioned Charlie Austin. Uh, I think he'd be lucky to get half the amount of goals that Ings has got this yeah. season. Um, but, but yeah, his, his first goal, I mean, we'll, we'll talk through the game because it's so fresh in our... In our memories but that first goal he took four touches passed from Smallbone four touches he was about 35 yards from goal one to receive the ball one to beat a centre back one to set himself up and then bottom corner from 20 yards similarities to the um, to the goal that against Norwich that he scored where again he kind of from the inside left position bottom corner mm. did that again against yeah. Pompey did he? yeah, yeah. Um, and speaking after the game, he, he mentioned that he loves coming in from that inside left position. Um, but it was just, you mentioned his efficiency. It's just, he was just so clinical, so efficient with his touches. Um, and Ben ben Foster can only kind of watch it go past him into the bottom corner. It was a great start for us because um, against Norwich, we were slow starting. Against Arsenal, we were kind of slow, full stop. Um, and we started pretty well, I think, today. Is that fair to say? Yeah, I think we did. Um, I mean, I remember at the start of the game, the first 10 minutes, seeing Romeo, and I think it was quite a frantic first first 10. We didn't really look like bang on it. We looked better than Watford, but we didn't really... I think we were finding our feet a little bit. Um, yeah. And I think Saar was causing quite a few problems down that left-hand side on... Or, yeah, on the left-hand side, Bertrand's side. Um, but, I mean, as we settled into the game, I think our quality kind of showed, similar to the Norwich game... Um, we had a few decent chances. I think Long had a quite a good chance on his left foot in about 15 minutes in. But um, yeah, Wall Prowse had Wall Prowse had that chance as well. Yeah, kind of deep run from midfield, and he took it on his chest, and then um, and then kind of like scooped it over a little bit. Uh, so yeah, it was yeah. yeah, it was great to get that early goal, Ings's goal. And I mean, you you mentioned it there. He he said in his post match interview about dropping into that number 10. Um, position was something that they targeted they'd watched a lot of clips they'd obviously done their homework and noticed that there's a lot of space to exploit in between Watford's midfield and defence so I think that's what Shane Long brings to the team he just occupies those two centre-halves and allows Ings just to be so free um, yeah. and he might not have the goal threat long but you, I think you could really really see today what he brings to the team I think you tweeted something out about his heading, but it is silly, isn't it? The amount of times he just goes up against a six foot four centre back and just wins the flick on. But um, yeah. I think, yeah, Ings's goal massively came from just him getting in that space in between the midfield and defence, and uh, yeah, exploiting it. A word on the midfield then. So we were one nil up. I think it was after about sixteen minutes. Romeo was obviously in for Hoiberg, um, who had an ankle knock, and then we had Smallbone coming in for Armstrong on the right. 
Mm. Uh, tweeted it out at half time, um, kind of my thoughts on the first half, and and one of them was just kind of Smallbone being Smallbone. He's just like a neat, tidy player, very comfortable in possession, presses well. You can see why Ralph likes him. Yeah. Um, faded a little bit in the second half when Watford started the second half better um, and they were putting under pressure and, and Ralph changed it up and brought Armstrong on and, and we'll come on to that but that changed the game as well what were your, uh, what were your thoughts on Romeo and Smallbone then coming into that midfield alongside Ward-Prowse uh, and Redmond well I thought yeah they both played really well Smallbone's an interesting one because obviously he was replacing Armstrong on that right hand side I don't think that's his best position I think he would he's more suited centrally I don't think he's you know got that much pace um, he's not going to beat a player but as you said, really intelligent footballer, really tidy. There was, a, there was a, I think it was in the second half, maybe it was in the back end of the first half, where there was just a passage of play down the right-hand side and he just looked up and switched it to Bertrand, crossfield pass, and I just thought just kind of showed his quality. He's not someone that's going to get his head down and do a step over and beat the fullback, but he's just got that intelligence just to pass it when, I mean, he got the assist for Ings, isn't he? And it was a great little pass into him, just an incisive Incisive one. But yeah, I thought he played really, really well. And I thought Romeo, I mentioned it just, just then, I thought he looked a little bit off it in the first 10 minutes. But he is, everyone knows what he brings to the team. He's very combative and he's, you know, he'll get stuck in and, you know, he's a battler in there. Um, but yeah, I thought he was, it was really important to have him in that team because I think playing Smallbone and Ward Prowse, we can, we can be in danger of becoming a bit lightweight in that midfield. So just to have someone that's going to sit there, break it up and play it simple... Um, really, really beneficial to have in the team. But yeah, I thought he played really, really well replacing Hoiberg. Yeah, I mean, I thought it was going to be interesting before the game because we had Romeo and Ward-Prowse um, in the middle there with Smallbone and, and Redmond mm. higher up. Watford, I, I, I looking at their team, for me, their strength is in midfield because they've got Capu, mm. Will Hughes and Decore. And that, as a midfield, midfield three, that's pretty very strong. Very good. That is very good. Um, for, for the middle of their team, that's pretty good. Um, so I thought it was very encouraging the way that our midfield played. And I think it was, it was helped by our system um, yeah. versus theirs because um, there was just more space uh, in dangerous areas for the likes of Redmond and... Um, and Smallbone when he got on the ball uh, setting up Ings for that first goal um, whereas while Watford had that extra man in midfield we were just a bit more direct and our transitions were a bit better and we had players a bit further up the pitch that were a bit more dangerous mm. um, but yeah I thought Romeo looked very good he's always one that whenever I see him in possession he does occasionally look quite slow and I'm kind of shouting at the TV for him to pass it quicker because I think he's mm. going to get caught in possession but he doesn't um, mm. He knows what he's doing, so fair play to him. Um, but yeah, <laughs> did, I you, it, did you see the the knock that he got on his face? And I think it was from Sar, maybe the elbow. But his nose looked properly broken in that first half. I was <laughs> surprised he carried on. He came jogging back on the pitch, and his nose was like pushed to one side. So at a forty-five degree angle. Yeah, I was like, have they not sorted that out? He's just jogging back on. <laughs> yeah, I mean, fair, fair play for him for playing yeah. playing on with that. Um, and yeah, he looked very very solid. Um, I think, with, I think with Romeo, so I was just going to say, I think sometimes I can see some similarities with him and Wanyama when they maybe think they've... Sometimes Romeo looks for that pass, that 40-year pass, when that's just not what he has. And I remember Wanyama doing that quite a bit. When he was really, really good, he just got it, played it simple. But occasionally, I think there was a couple of times in that, that game just then where Romeo would look for that 40-year pass and that's when he looks like an average player because he doesn't have that in his locker. Mm. But um, when he plays to his strengths, I think he's a massive asset to the team. Yeah. 
And the other change from uh, from the lineup um, was Stevens, obviously, with his red card against Arsenal, um, mm. was suspended today. And Yannick Vestergaard came in, partnering Bednarak in the middle. Thought he had a very, very good game, Yannick. He's been criticised quite a lot. He's obviously made a lot of individual errors. Mm. Can look a bit uh, uncomfortable in possession and for a man at six foot seven, is not always the best in the air. He was coming up against Troy Deeney today, who's one of the more physical centre-forwards. And I thought he had a very, very good game. Uh, I tweeted quite early on that I was a bit nervous about that left side of the defence um, up against Saar, just because he is so quick and Yannick's obviously so slow. Bertrand's no slouch, but he's not got quite the same pace as Saar. But the two of them, Bertrand is was, it was his usual consistent self mm. like very 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 strong and largely had Sarah in his pocket for most of the game um but I wanted to mention Vestergaard because I thought he played very very well and I wanted to get your thoughts uh on that yeah I I think he was really played he had a very decent game but um he's obviously been linked to Leicester yeah I think they've been a uh, well I mean there's rumors of like a 20 25 26 million pound bid which would be pretty unbelievable considering what we paid for him but um I thought he played really well it maybe suited him coming up against Someone like Deeney, which is you know, not not the most mobile. He's not going to drag him from the centre back position. He kind of was very central, wasn't he, with with Bednarak. He didn't he didn't have to get dragged into the channels too much. But um, yeah, I mean, he has got criticism, and I think the criticism is mostly deserved because he has, fair, like you yeah. said, it is fair criticism because we signed, we spent quite a bit of money on him, and he's made loads of mistakes. I mean, I remember going to the Palace game, Palace away this. This year, um, I think we won 2-0. Uh, yeah. But there was a time when he just tried to like Cruyff it out from the back. And I think Cenk Tosin nicked it off and went through and go. And luckily, they didn't score. But just moments like that, you're just thinking, what, who is this guy? How have we spent this much money on him? So I think it has been deserved. But fair play. Played really, really well today. Yeah. Um, but I think similar... I think the reason why we played so well today is because we did keep it simple. And someone mm. like Vestergaard was just playing to his strengths and just not trying to do anything, not trying to beat anyone, just giving it, you know, playing it simple. So I thought he played very, very well. Yeah. I don't want to get too excited about one performance, but that was no. the sort of performance that, I mean, we paid £18 million for him and today he looked like a player worth that amount of money. Um, Hopefully Leicester are watching and they up that yeah. bit to 35. <laughs> exactly. Someone else that was um, quite widely praised on, uh, on Twitter for his performance today was Kyle Walker-Peters coming in at right-back for Jan Valery. Mm. Um, I guess this is an opportunity to discuss the Arsenal game a little bit because Jan was a bit all over the place during that one um, and was dropped to, for the Watford match. Did you want to start with Jan against Arsenal and then go on to what you thought that Kyle Walker-Peters did um, mm. against Watford? Because he did have a good game. I thought he was very, very solid, aggressive going forward. Um, and cutting out the mistakes that have plagued that right-back position. Definitely. I mean, Valerie, everyone was tweeting about it. He had an awful, awful game against Arsenal. Every single time the ball went down that, that his side, we just looked like we were going to concede, and he just looked so, so open with him and Stevens on that right-hand side, just so exposed against... Obviously, Aubameyang was one of the, one of the best players in the league, but just he was just not bringing anything to the team. Sometimes he can be quite good going forward, but he just looked really, really slow and lethargic and half in, half interested. Um, and I think Walker-Peters came on at half-time and 
did more in the first couple of minutes than Valerie did in the whole first half. Mm-hmm. I think he was he was awful. So I was delighted to see Walker Peters get the uh, get the start today. Um, I mean, he's 23. I think, which is interesting because he hasn't actually played that much football, has he, Walker-Peters? So I think we do need to see more of him. And I think we will see more of him, especially after today's performance, because like you said, just really, really solid. And I think he kind of backs his pace a lot, doesn't he? He knows he's quick, so he can get very, very tight to defenders. So we just look, if the ball comes out, I can't remember who was playing on the left today. I think it was Pereira. Pereira, but, yeah. Yeah, I think he's just... Um, we look more solid because we're closer to them. Valerie kind of drops off and sometimes the ball comes to a winger and there's like five or six yards between the winger and Valerie and you're thinking, wow, you're setting yourself up to get done here. But Walker-Peters gets really, really tight to their, their defenders, or to their wingers, sorry, and um, puts them under a lot of pressure. I thought potentially could have, it would have been harsh, but could have given away a penalty. You got quite lucky pulling down Dawson, I think it was. I, um, yeah. I thought personally, I was, I was expecting VAR to give that. Um, yeah, so was I. When I saw that, I was like, oh my God, he's trying to wrestle him down. Because in the, it's one of those, like in the moment, you're looking at Michael Oliver and he's not giving it and you're like, okay, fine, mm. breathe a sigh of relief. But then now there's VAR, you're waiting for that replay. And as soon as I saw that replay and he kind of locked his arm mm. on Dawson and then just <laughs> dragged him down. <laughs> and it's like, oh, if, if you're sitting there and looking at that and you're like, that's not good defending. Um, and I could have easily seen it given as a penalty. Thankfully, it wasn't. I think that was the only um, kind of mistake that Walker Peters made in the yeah. game. I thought, as you mentioned, that performance there now should give him the platform to start the the final six games of the season and make a case for us signing him permanently. Again, I don't want to get too excited about one performance, but we do need a right back. And if he can put in that level of performance between now and the end of the season I think he'll he'll be a strong contender um, for us to us to sign I think it's always difficult to get players from Tottenham just because I think Daniel Levy is famously a tough negotiator and Walker mm. Peters is a, as you said he's young English fullback they'll probably want a, a decent chunk of money for him um, and I guess it comes down to do we want to pay that versus what, what we could probably get on the continent would be a, a cheaper option whether it be this this guy from the Eredivisie or, or whoever, or mm. um, I saw the Athletic linked us with a right back um, as well um, from mm. Belgium. Was he? I, I didn't actually see that. Yeah, I can't remember how to pronounce his name. It's like Joaquin yeah. Male or something like that. I think he's a yeah. Uh, yeah plays in Belgium. He's a uh, yeah looks so, decent. But I think I think like you said, I would I've been really impressed with Walker Peters, and I would be. If he carries on this, those kind of performances in the last six games, I'd be happy if we signed him. But like you said, it's probably going to be the money, which m- might be the stumbling block because, yeah. Uh, yeah, he might cost quite a bit. Yeah, yeah, we, we shall see. The other change uh, was Shane um, up front alongside Danny Ings. Shane's performance. Decent, decent. Yeah, I think yeah. I think he gets the best out of Danny Ings. And if if that's what's happened, then I'm happy for him to start because if, when Danny Ings is firing, we're on form, aren't we? So he just occupies those centre-backs, allows Ings to get a lot of space. Um, doesn't have that goal threat that um, you'd yeah. hope that your second striker will have. He's not going to get you that many goals. And I think, well, Shea, Shea Adams came on in the last 15 minutes and was he looked brilliant didn't he? He looked absolutely, he looked really, really up for it and got very unlucky with that, um, 
that chance where he, where he made it all for himself but went through and he just got really unlucky, tried to slide it under Foster. But um, I thought he looked yeah. really, really up for it when he came on. Um, but yeah, Shane, I gave him I gave him a seven in my player ratings because I think he uh, was uh, yeah had a very decent game. Do you, want to, do you want to run through your player ratings now, actually, while we're going through some of the players that, that came in for today's game? Starting with McCarthy. McCarthy, I gave him a six. Didn't have much to do, but, you know, didn't make a mistake, so average. Yeah, I mean, Watford had zero shots on target, so McCarthy literally had nothing to do, really, apart from take cold kicks. Exactly, and it was an improvement from the Arsenal game, so... <laughs> oh, God, yeah. <laughs> Walker-Peters, I gave him an eight. Yeah. Bednarak, seven. Solid, unlucky with that own goal, I think... Well, I mean, Welbeck might have buried it, but he probably would have missed it given his. <laughs> yeah, well, Welbeck's not the best I know. in front of goal. That's what I was but thinking. At the same time, yeah. Yeah, he had to. He had to put his foot out there. He had to try and stop it. But um, yeah, got really unlucky with that. I thought Vestergaard gave him an eight. I thought he was better than. I think. Well, our centre backs were decent today, but I think he was the better of the two. Um, Bertrand seven, like most games, decent, solid. You know what you're going to get. Yep. Romeo eight. I thought it was very good in midfield. Ward Prowse nine for that yep. free kick. We'll come on to we'll come on to the free kick, but yeah. Smallbones seven. I thought, like you said, tidy in there. Really, really promising performance. Redmond gave him a seven. Got unlucky, hit the post near the end, didn't he? But I don't. Played. He played okay, but he didn't really have that um, incisiveness that we've that we see yeah. every now and then for him, probably not consistently enough, but we know what he has in his locker. It's just a shame that he doesn't do it on a weekly basis. Other, He'd probably be playing for a better club if he did it more regularly, wouldn't he? He'd probably be playing in Europe. Yeah, I mean, uh, comparing his performance to Watford from the Norwich game, Norwich, he was, a, he was a difference maker and he was clinical in the final third and he was direct and, and he was setting up chances. And today, I just I tweeted out that it was just one of those games for Redmond that he, he does have every... I was going to say every now and then, but it's more frequent than that. And that's why I think sometimes people are frustrated with him mm. because he has got loads of ability and we saw that against Norwich. But today against Watford, he didn't really affect the game um, too much at all. He had that chance. He had that great shot at the end that hit the post. Mm. Um, and he is a very, uh, I'm a hundred percent of the opinion that he, we are a much better team when he's playing. Yeah. I would just wish that he was a little more consistent because he should be someone that's hitting double figures for a season, um, and and he doesn't, and he's and he and he has, hasn't done that in the Premier League. Um, he's 26 now, and and he needs to start stepping up, I think. And I was really pleased with his performance against Norwich, and then then the Arsenal game was everybody was was below par, but then today I thought it was another opportunity. Um, for him and and I think sevens probably I probably would have given him a six I thought he, d- he didn't play badly mm. um, but he certainly wasn't up to the level of of Prowsey and, and Ings and and even even for me Romeo and Smallbone I think they had better games than than Redmond yeah that is fair well I've given him a seven but yeah potentially potentially a six well yeah. he had that like you said decent chance where he made it for himself hit the post but um, Ings Nine, potentially ten, but I'll give him a nine because he didn't, not a perfect performance. We'll save that for a hat trick or something, but um, yeah, quality, wasn't it? Yeah. Yep. Um, and long? Long seven. seven. And then coming off the bench, two people off the bench, Adams, so like we said, so I just wanted him to bury that chance so much. And I think 
you know, it was interesting to see when he did miss that chance. And I think he played really well, didn't he? But Redmond came over to yeah. him and gave him a little chin up, mate. Um, yeah. And it looked like Ralph was desperate for him to put that away. Ralph was, was like half sprinting down the touchline <laughs> as Adams burst through. And then like was kind of celebrating. Yeah. And then the Foster just kind of like got a, kind of hit his inside leg and, and went wide. But but yeah, no, I think, yeah, he, he had a very lively performance off the bench, Adams. And it was great to see. Kind of sums up his Saints career so far. Mm. Just needs that goal. Yeah. Um, he, won the free, he won the free kick for Ward Prowse um, to Berry. Um, and I guess we can, we can pick that up. We're winning one nil at half time. Second half, Watford were on top. I think for the fifteen minutes after half time, uh, a couple of key blocks. Um, mm. I think from Bertrand one in particular, uh, and then Ralph changed it. Brought on Armstrong for Smallbone, and Armstrong just immediately made a difference. Lots of running, lots of energy, uh, and I thought he was he was very very good off the bench. And and yeah. Ingsy getting that second goal. Awful mistake from Foster. Mm. I mean, you do not throw the ball to Danny Ings <laughs> <laughs> when you're a goalkeeper. You're just asking to go 2-0 down. Mm. Um, and yeah, he, he kind of took it, then hit bottom corner with a little deflection of Craig Dawson for his 18th Premier League goal of the season. As you mentioned, not on penalties. So it's a, it's a great achievement. Still six games to go. He'll absolutely want to go past 20 Premier League goals um, and, and win the golden boot. For me, it was a mark, a mark of like a really informed striker that he he got the ball from Foster and we were countering and he was driving into the box. Including him, there was five Saints players either in the box or around the box ready for like a, not a cutback, but from a pass yeah. wings. Um, and it would have been a, a, a great opportunity, but he's just so full of confidence at the moment. He had a little look across. He saw the options there. And he backed himself over that and thought, you know what, I'm going to take on this defender and shoot for the bottom corner. And it worked out. Um, great finish. Um, admittedly, a little deflection, which, which helped him. Mm. But he's just, the confidence that he must be feeling at the moment must be huge. Definitely. I mean, I think, like we said, there's opposition fans are just watching Danny Ings at the moment, wishing he's playing for their club. But just so, so good to see him in this kind of form. And like you said, yeah, I mean, if you're going to score that amount of goals, you have to have a level of selfishness um, within you. But he's got the quality to, to back that up, doesn't he? You can't be selfish and be squandering these chances. But you just know, right, if he gets his head down and puts his foot through it, there's a, there's a great chance that he's going to find the corner of the net. So, um, yeah, I thought he was quality. Just back to Shea, I think as we're, as we're talking about strikers, I think, like we said, his performance was really, really encouraging and promising. I think the commentator mentioned here on Sky Sports that he was Burnham's top goal scorer last season with 22 goals. So like, I mean, he hasn't, he hasn't scored for us yet, obviously this season, but it's no, no doubt that there's a player in there. We wouldn't have spent 15 million on, on anyone. And I think when you look at his qualities, he, he just looks like he would be an absolute nightmare to play against if yeah. he's on form. Because like when he made that chance for himself, he's just so strong and powerful and quick that, you know, he's got all the qualities that Shane Long has, but if he has that, you know, finishing touch, which we know he does have because he's banged in those goals at Birmingham, then I think he could be such such a big asset for us. And I hope that we do stick yeah. by him. I hope he strikes up a partnership with Ings because I think that could be, if both of them are scoring, then we could be flying up the table if we sort out a few other areas of the pitch. 
Yeah, I think it's that chance where he kind of uses pace and strength to hold off Dawson, burst through. It's summed up like his main attributes, really, doesn't yeah. it? I mean, like quality on the ball, very good on the ball, very strong, mm. quick, and he just needs to just needs to get that goal. And and I think that he is a better finisher than Long. And as you say, if we can have a twenty goal a season striker. Um, supported by someone that's going to add more than than Long does or at least do what Long does but then add a exactly, few more goals exactly um we'll be in a very good position and I think Jacob can be that player and, yeah and it's and it's good to see as well just from like a self-confidence perspective that he can still come on as, as badly as things have gone for him mm. this season and he can still come off the bench and make an impact like that um, as you mentioned, Redmond telling him there to keep his chin out. The players obviously see his quality in training every week. I mm. mean, um, they're desperate for him to score. I think when it comes, uh, it's going to be a huge, huge yeah. weight off his shoulders. It is. Um, it's going to be massive. Um, Twitter's going to explode, I think. Um, <laughs> but um, I was just going to say, I mean, I think Shane Long is someone that not divides opinion, but gets a lot of people talking, especially well, Saints fans. There's always people that defend him to the hilt and that would say, I know he doesn't score, but he brings this and he brings that. And I'm fully aware of what he brings. And I know that if you ask Danny Ings, he'd probably say he'd play me alongside Shane Long because he's going to drag him defenders and give him loads of space, as we mentioned. However, I just think just to have a striker that doesn't, contribute to your goals it's just it's like a, a missed opportunity really isn't it to, to yeah. like to have that extra threat and I think you hit the nail on the head there if we've got someone in Shea Adams that's going to do all of that work that Shane Long does but have the goal for it that's what I want to see in the team going forward I'm fully aware that yeah. Shane Long's a massive asset to the team and seems like a really popular guy but he's been at Saints for quite a few years now and I don't know what his top scoring season would have been but I can't imagine he's to be banged in that many goals so yeah I just think going forward hopefully next season Shea strikes out that partnership and starts hitting back the net more frequently yeah so we were 2-0 up um, looked very very comfortable after that and similar position to what we were in against Norwich when we, we got a third goal there and we just kind of saw it out um, I feared we might be slipping back into old Saints ways um, when as you mentioned, Carl Walker-Peters could have given away a penalty. Mm. We got away with that. Then minutes later, um, Watford pulled one back. Mm. They hadn't threatened at all, really. Uh, ball in from the left. Bednarak had to get a touch on it. Unfortunately, it was a touch into his own net. Um, I, don't, I can't blame him too much for that. It was a very good delivery. Positioning-wise, could have maybe been a little bit better and, and, and that would have allowed him to clear it. Um, and with Welbeck lurking behind him, he would have felt that he needed to do something. And from there, you're thinking, Watford have got 10 minutes I now. I was worried. To, yeah, 10 minutes to find an equaliser, um, having shown very little throughout the game, but very, very worried. And up steps captain, James Ward-Prowse. I think two minutes after Watford, so Watford had got their tails up, they just scored, and it was so important for us just to kind of end the game with that third goal. Mm. Um, in the 82nd minute from from Ward Prowse. As mentioned, it was Shade that won the free kick in the D. Dead centre. Couldn't have picked a better position for Ward Prowse um, to place a free kick. I think that's probably where he would have wanted it to be. Maybe slightly further mm. back. Maybe a couple of yards further back because it was 
quite close to the edge of the box. It was probably about 20 yards out. Um, but yeah, what a strike um, yeah. From, from the skipper. Ridiculous. And like you said, so close to the 20 yards out, to get that up and down, Foster didn't even move, did he? He just literally stood there. It was yeah. like a penalty. It was genuinely like a penalty. He just stepped up and just went, bang, top corner. And I think the word specialist gets thrown about sometimes about players that do bang in a few free kicks. But War Prowse is 100% in that category. And to have a player in, in your team that has that asset is such... Well, it's massive for the team, isn't it? Because when, when yeah. we got that free kick, it's not like someone stepping up and, I don't know, like Redmond had that free kick in the first half where not a bad effort, yeah. but just didn't put any power on it. But to have someone that you get a free kick and you think, we've actually got a big, big chance of this going top corner yeah. is huge. And I think he's done it on a regular occurrence now. And I think I saw a stat from Optilit saying that he scored five direct free kicks in the Premier League since the start of 2017-18, the most of any player in the competition in that period. So... Yeah, he, he does it. He does it regularly now, and I think, yeah, it's so so good to have that in your team. When 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 we won that free kick, and I'm just thinking, like, it's either going to be a goal, he's going to hit the crossbar, yeah. the keep the keeper will make an amazing, like, it's going to yeah. be a huge opportunity for us to score. When when typically for most teams, it's just like, okay, this is a good exactly. chance. Like, hopefully, we can we can work the keeper. I'm expecting us to go very, very close to scoring when he steps up and takes free kick. Um, that was his first free kick goal. Uh, so he's beaten Ben Foster twice now this season. It was his last ben goal. Ben Foster must, was be, in the must two- have been gutted to see him put that ball down. Yeah. <laughs> I, I love it when you score a free kick and the keeper doesn't move. It just looks so much better. Yeah. Like Free kick goals already look great. But when the keeper just watches it like fly past him into the top corner, um, he knows he's been beaten by a special... Um, a special strike and and that's exactly what that was um, yeah so he scored uh, six um, free kicks in the Premier League now Ward Prowse um, Matt Letizier is the, is the only Saints player to have scored more he scored seven so only a matter of time before Ward Prowse uh, takes mm. that from Letiz I think um, and yeah already scored uh, against Watford once in a crucial game um, that was the winner that day, I think that's right, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah, that was the winner. Um, and then just to seal it today was was huge. Um, and that, that gives us 40 points now with six games to go. Last season we finished on 39, so already a massive improvement. If you look back and after kind of three months of the season and, and thought, okay, where are we going to be sitting with, with six games to go? You probably would have like taken like. 16th or 17th and mm. a couple of points above the relegation zone but now I think we're 13 points yeah yeah clear. 13 points clear we've obviously played a played another game than most clubs but yeah 13 points clear yeah which is I mean I think I think we can say it and it <laughs> not be uh held against us but we're, we're basically we're basically there now um other teams including Watford and the likes of Watford and Villa are really struggling I thought at least one of the teams from the um, from from the relegation scrap would come out with the restart and put together a couple of wins and mm. and 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 fire themselves up and away from trouble. But I mean, I guess Brighton kind of did that with a win over Arsenal. But Villa have had some really disappointing performances, losing one 0 at home yesterday to Wolves on Saturday, um, and then Watford. So now Watford have drawn mm. at home to Leicester, lost to Burnley, and lost to us. Um, 
So yeah, that point, is shocking. One point from three games is really poor from them. From our point of view, I, know, I remember sitting here speaking to you a few weeks, um, I think one week before the season restarted, and we looked at the first three games of the season, Norwich, Arsenal, Watford, um, and we would have 100% taken six points. I think, I, yeah, think, I, mean, I think we predicted four or five, didn't we? We predicted four. I think four. we said... I think we said we were going to beat Norwich, lose to Arsenal, and then draw to Watford. Okay. Um, so not far off. I think, yeah, like if, if you said six points before the season, I would have snapped your hand off because that's a great restart to the season. Some, it, 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 seems, it does seem odd, uh, the way some teams have come back after this lockdown. I think you've got teams like Wolves that seem to be brilliant. I think they've got nine mm-hmm. points from there three games back and they've come back firing on all cylinders. But yeah, a massive, massive surprise that teams down there like Norwich, Villa, Bournemouth, West Ham, Watford, just haven't really shown anything. And they're down there fighting for their lives. And like you said, Brighton have put together, well, they've got a decent result here and there. But the other teams down there, I was I was expecting to see a lot more from Watford today. I just yeah. think they look so one-dimensional and they didn't really, didn't really look like they had a plan. Yeah. really they didn't have a game plan they weren't putting us under any kind of the only bit of pressure was just after the second half started wasn't it when they had a few shots just come firing into the box but other than that just looked so ordinary and I think they're well they're one point above the drop but um, yeah, yeah I mean, it doesn't, doesn't look great their plan I think um, you've already mentioned Danny Ings post-match interview was talking about having how much video they watched on Watford and they're expecting a really physical game but it really just, just did amount to kind of lumping it forward, didn't it? To Dini mm. and then trying to get around, um, trying to play off that, play off the second balls and get the ball wide to Saar and let him have a run at Bertrand. But apart from the first 20 minutes or so, Saar was anonymous. Bertrand mm. did a brilliant job of keeping him quiet. Um, and Vestergaard and Bednarak were really physical with Dini. Um, and Stevens, for all his quality on the ball, as a centre-back, which is very, very useful. We saw that against Norwich when he stepped out from the back and set up Ings for that chance when he hit the bar. Mm. That's great. But I think against some of the stronger, more physical forwards, and I put Dini in that camp, you need to be more of a battler than what Stevens is sometimes. Um, and fair play to fair play to Bednarak and Vestergaard because they bullied Dini in the first half, definitely. I mean, he got a few bumps and bruises. Um, and then in the second half, he didn't really have much of a sniff. Mm. But that's hugely disappointing from Watford's point of view. I was thinking coming out of the restart, um, and I think part of the reason why I was a little bit, and Saints fans generally were a little bit concerned about our position on 34 points, was that I kind of expected quite a high total was going to be needed to stay Mm. up, um, at least compared to, to years past. But those teams down the bottom haven't really been winning at all. Um, and all of a sudden, they're all still stuck on 27 mm. um, with six or seven games to go. And you're probably now looking at about 35, 36 will, will keep you up, I think. Um, well, actually, no. I'd say probably 36 w- would be would be a decent shout to for someone to survive on yeah. that. Um, we're obviously on 40. What are, we, what are we looking to finish on, do you think? Six games left? Yeah, I mean, I was watching the game on Sky and I think it was David Jones kept on saying four points off Sheffield United in eighth. And eighth, potentially this season, might get Europe because of a few other things going on with City and stuff like that. So um, I think that might be slightly ambitious, but it is pretty mad to think that we're only four points off Sheffield United. I know we've played a game more, but 
they've had an unbelievable season. They haven't started. I think, just on a side note, I think this restart, this lockdown has absolutely, you know, done, well, it's been horrendous for Sheffield United because they were flying, weren't they, before? And they really play on that yeah. crowd atmosphere and to come back after. They obviously got really lucky when VAR wasn't working against Villa. But um, really unlucky. <laughs> Forgot about that. Um, yeah. But it just seems like they... They haven't really started very well um, or restarted very no. well. But um, I think six games to go on 40 points. We've obviously got City next and I think Ralph will probably see that as a bit of a free hit. And I think we've afforded ourselves that luxury from getting six points from these first um, three games. But, you know, I'd be, I'd be delighted if we, if we got on to, oh, I mean, six games to go. I think we can aim high. We can aim high. We can try and try and catch Palace definitely they're two points ahead of us and I think we're a much better team than Palace Burnley are two points ahead of us I think we could catch them so you know hopefully if we push 10th 9th 10th that would be a fantastic turnaround I think so just looking at the fixtures now we've got six games left I think we can put three into the very winnable camp um, which is our final three games Brighton at home Bournemouth away Sheffield United at home Mm. Um, not yeah considering actually our home form is pretty dreadful. What but is going on with our home form? Just quickly we, before we go on, or should we go yeah, on to that after? I mean, I was going to ask you, one of the things I wanted to ask you was, what, did, what do you put the difference in performance from the Arsenal game on Thursday to, to Sunday mm-hmm. and the Watford win? Like, where do you see the differences? It's baffling. It's baffling. We've got eight wins away from home this season and only four at home. And... We just seem to be a different team when we go away from St. Mary's. We seem to be much more fired up and we seem to be much... Everything seems to be quicker. And against Arsenal, it was nothing clicked. Everything was slow. All the passes were a yard off. All the passes were just, you know, not... I mean, it was summed up by Hoiberg's back pass to Stevens. I think it was that got him sent off. But just everything looked to be off. And I don't know what that is. It obviously can't be the crowd at St. Mary's because they're not even playing and no one's there at the moment. But... Um, I don't know what happens when we go to St. Mary's, but uh, yeah, just the differences in performance from those four days is just chalk and cheese. It was so, so different. It was, I think Carl Walker-Peters is, was a great introduction. I thought he made a big, big difference yeah. for us defensively and going forward. But just yeah. general team play, we just look much more incisive and clinical and uh, yeah, faster, quicker on the ball. I'm not sure what's going on at St. Mary's. I think maybe we need to change the name of the stadium or something in particular. <laughs> do something. Mix it up a bit. Ings, Ings mentioned uh, they got their press, they got the pressing wrong against Arsenal. Um, and I haven't gone back and watched the game, but I'd be interested to try and like see exactly what he means there. Mm. Um, because obviously that's, that's key for, for a Hassan Hootel team to press. Um, and against Watford, uh, they press really, really well. Um, and when it's done well, teams crumble um, and as Watford did now we've got some good results against so-called bigger teams and Arsenal have had a tragic season um, but I think you probably still just include them in that they've got players like Aubameyang that are among the best in the league Um, but we've played against some of the top teams and caused them a lot of problems Mm. Um, and it was just really disappointing to see us not really do that to Arsenal I mean they were at such a low ebb um, with their results and, and everything that's going on um, around around their team. And they just kind of came to St. Mary's and it was like a well, pretty routine 2-0 win, a couple of mistakes. It, it almost felt like we were going back to the old Southampton of those first few months of the season where we just 
roll over mm. for teams and not not cause them any problems at all. Um, and then today, it's like, oh, here's the new Southampton again, <laughs> where we press everybody really, really strongly. We win the ball back and we take our chances. Yeah. Um, I think Walker Peters was good, um, but I, I really, I mean, Ralph needs to figure it out because we have got, we've got how many home games left? Well, Man City, Brighton, and Sheffield mm. United. Um, Brighton and Sheffield United definitely winnable. Um, but, yeah, yeah, I mean, I think it was summed up really by that Ings' second goal. Like you said, when he was going forward, we had five, five or six players in the box, and I think we just didn't do that against Arsenal. And like you said, massive, massive missed opportunity because they were like just awful run of form, such a shaky defence. And I think we just never put, when we did put them under pressure, they didn't look confident and we just didn't do that enough. Um, so I think, yeah, it was a real shame not, well, to see us not have that intensity against Arsenal. And I, I think I saw someone tweet about our home record, which shocked me, which was 17 wins in the last 72 games at home, which is it's, it's so so bad, and I think a lot of it, a lot of it is that intensity. Because when we play well, we're pressing from the front, and we do that so so well away from home. We just lack that at home, so we need to sort that out definitely. Yeah, I think we can hopefully at least rule out the fact that it's not really got anything to do with the presence of fans, mm. because that was that was the type of performance um, that we were putting in when we had fans in the stadium. Um, so. Yeah, I don't think it's got anything to do with the fans. I think it's the style that we play um, at home and the way that teams set up away from home against us doesn't is not really suiting us. But we need to figure it out, whatever it is. Because, yeah, we've got six games to go. Man City next on Sunday, then Everton away, Man United away, Brighton at home, Bournemouth away, Sheffield United at home. Mm-hmm. I think we should be, we should be looking for, if there's 18 possible points... If we can get to 10, that'd be amazing. Mm. I mean, if we get to 50 points, that would be an incredible achievement mm. considering where we were earlier this year, um, earlier this season, sorry. Um, that might be a little bit ambitious. So if we can get to seven or seven or eight, so we get to 47 or 48 points, that's, that's a good season. Um, and considering where we were coming out of lockdown and the fears that we had around relegation, to be sitting here right now and being talking about potentially finishing 10th or in the top 10 or 11th. Um, it's nice, yeah? It's good, to, it's good to be talking about this. It is this. good. And I think, just having a look at the league table from 2016-17, I think this was mm-hmm. uh, Claude Puel's season. We came 8th that year with 46 points. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, again, the commentator did say something on Sky Sports then when they were like, oh, Southampton came 8th in, uh, in 2017 and that wasn't enough to for Claude Puel to keep his job. People forget that we were 15 points off Everton in seventh. We were so much closer to the relegation zone than we were to seventh. There was yeah. a huge, huge gap. The style of football was really boring. It looked like he lost lost the dressing room and there was no connection with the fans. So it's just, it's it surprised me to see that we only got 46 points in room 40 this year. Yeah, I remember that. It was exactly it. It was, it was sort of like a false position. Definitely. Right? Because... Um, we were, yeah, we were, we were much closer to, to battling relegation than we were ever to, to getting into Europe. Mm. Um, but now, I mean, it'd be great if we can push on. I think, as you said, Man City is a free hit. Uh, you don't really know how they're going to react to being out of the title race now officially. Um, they play Liverpool, don't they, in mm. the week? Um, so 
that'll be interesting to see their mentality there. Um, Liverpool on a high after winning the league. Man City will be giving them a guard of honour, I think. <laughs> They've said they'll be doing that at the Etihad. Um, are Man City looking to prove to Liverpool that there's not such a gap between the two teams or are they just going to be like, ah, oh, season's over, we're second um, and Liverpool will be on such a high that they'll run away with it. It'll be interesting to see. Yeah. Aguero's out, I think. Um, so, yeah, I mean, we should go into that game with some confidence now. Uh, there is always there, there will always be a little bit of trepidation just because we're playing at home and things have been bad mm. at home. But no, I think really positive all around. Anything else you wanted to mention from, from either the Watford or the Arsenal games or, or looking forward? Um, well, I mean, I think the, the striker situation is interesting to see Obafemi. I don't think he's... We, we did... We, uh, we defended him, didn't we, on last week's pod after the performance in Norwich because I think a lot of people were on his back. And, um, yeah. you know, we did say what he brings to the team and he's only young and, you know, Ralph obviously sees a lot in him. But I think it was interesting that he didn't come off the bench today and Shea Adams yeah. got some minutes. Um, I'm hopeful that that continues because I, I am a big fan of Ember Femi and I know what he brings to the team, but I, I really would like to see Shea get some more time. So I thought, I thought that was really interesting to see that he didn't come off the bench. Um, it's a good point. Yeah. Because our strikers is, is, pro- is probably one of the most competitive spots yeah. is, is that kind of Ings strike partner. Mm. Um, and we've got three three options there: Obafemi, um, Long, and Adams, and, and that should be super competitive. Mm. Um, so yeah. yeah. Also, I'd say Romeo's performance. We praised him. I've given him an eight. Well documented that Hoiberg wants out of the club. Would is is Romeo part of our plans? Would you be happy seeing him as our centre midfield? I'm not sure if he plays if he plays like that for the rest of the season. I think he's gonna stake his claim to replace Hoiberg but um, it'll be interesting to see how how much he plays I think in these last six games yeah definitely I don't know how serious the injury to Hoiberg is Uh, assuming that we do sell him this summer I still would love to see us bring in um, like spend quite a bit of money on bringing in a replacement because I wouldn't feel hugely comfortable going into the season with Romeo as kind of a first yeah. choice uh, midfielder alongside. Obviously, World Prize is going to start every game in the midfield, um, and and Hoiberg uh, had had been his partner with Romeo off the bench, which is quite good in terms of strength and depth. Now, if Romeo steps up and becomes World Prize's regular partner, I'm not sure how I feel about that. I'd like to bring. I'd like to see that Hoiberg money reinvested in a centre mm. midfield. Yeah, I agree with you. I agree. I mean. Yeah. Definitely a, a special mention for War Prowse because I think he was he had a quality game today, didn't he? And I think being made captain, replacing Hoiberg, difficult situation, but I think he stepped up massively and uh, he's shown his leadership. And he, he seems like he struck um, striked up a great partnership with Ings. They seem to be good mates. So uh, I think that's really, really encouraging. One more thing which is encouraging, Gineppo will be back against City after serving the ban, which is, which is good. So it'll be interesting True. to see how how he slots back into that team. But um, I think he's a massive bonus to get back in. Um, but yeah, positive, excited, True. excited for that City game. Stevens will be back as well. Um, yeah, will, will he replace Vestergaard? Maybe um, it's a different... It's a different. It's, yeah, I think it kind of worked today because just because of the physicality. Mm. Um, City are a much more technical team. Um, so I think Stevens will probably come back into the lineup um, next Sunday. Um, 
but yeah, it's, it's, it's all positive, I think, now. Um, and there does seem to be a real, really good uh, camaraderie amongst the team that, um, you know, Ralph's been building that. The results weren't there early on in the season, but we have missed that, like under previous managers, whether it's Hughes, Pellegrino, going back to Puel. Like, there didn't really seem to be like a really like tight-knit group of players, like likeable players yeah. for whatever reason. And I think that does come from the management um, but we really seem to have, have found that now. And obviously results help. And when you're winning 3-1 away from home and you've got 40 points, like everybody's smart, smiling. Yeah. Um, but you just mentioned there the relationship between Ings and Ward Prowse. Um, I think there was, there's lots of different examples um, throughout the team now, of, whether it's Bertrand, Redmond, um, Armstrong seems like he's fitted in really well since joining the club. Um, so, yeah. Really, really positive. Um, yeah. Roll on, roll on Man City. One, one key thing is that we've got a style of play. I was watching Wolves. Um, I think they beat Villa yesterday. And they've just got such a clear way of playing football that suits them. With those Johnny and Doc- Doherty wingbacks going forward, they just look so in sync. And that's the way they play football and it works for them. And I think there was a really interesting article with Ryan Bertrand on The Athletic. And he was saying about the system that Ralph's got and how everyone knows what they're doing. So everyone's just got like, I think it's just brilliant to have a manager that has a way of playing football. And I just don't think it was very clear in previous managers what our, what our style was. We just seemed to be like, especially under Hughes, it was just go out there, just try and nick a goal. That was it really, wasn't it? I remember when, when we, <laughs> really we was, played yeah. Liverpool away from home, I think we lost 3-0 or something like that. But we just seemed to be like, we're here. How many goals are you going to score against us? And we'll go back down to the south coast. And we did lose. We lost 4-0 to them this season. But we actually gave them a game, didn't we? I think we were very... Un- for the first half. For the first half, we were, we were really in it. I think it was 0-0 at half time. It was 0-0. We maybe should have had that penalty when Ings got fouled. But at least, at least we're going for teams now. And I think if, we, if yeah. we were playing Man City under Hughes next week, I would just be like, write this game off. Because I don't know... You know, we, we still might get battered next week. But I think we've got a way of playing football that the players buy into. And it's exciting. Yeah, one hundred percent. Some something really, really something good to build on now for for next season as mm. well. Um, when we started this podcast, it was well pretty much going into the lockdown um, time in in March and um, on thirty four points and kind of hoping that we wouldn't be doing this podcast talking about relegation every week. Um, Imagine starting a podcast going into lockdown and getting relegated. <laughs> oh God. It was in the back of my mind. It was in the back of my mind, especially because um, after setting up all of like the social media accounts, the first game I did was West Ham. Like first game that I was like tweeting was West Ham. That was rubbish. Got beat 3-1 at the London Stadium. Played really poorly. And then the first game, um, well, sorry, the second, the game after that was Newcastle at home. Mm. Um, And yeah, losing that one nil. I thought I was a jinx. (laughs) So huge to come out with a win against Norwich um, and then yeah we'll forget about the Arsenal game huge again to win today and and now we've got six games to uh, to look forward to and a summer to look forward to hopefully we'll strengthen the team and and uh, and back Ralph in the summer but yeah good stuff great stuff Danny Ings England's number nine. Oh, feel for him right <laughs> imagine if the Euros were this summer he would be He'd it's actually so many guys. Yeah, it's mental. He'd come off the bench. He'd come off the bench 
and I would back him to get like three goals, like backing up Kane. Yeah. Um, especially the way that Kane would have been going into the tournament injured. Um, he, I'm sure Ings would have gotten a fair a fair chance, and the way that he's playing, oh, I just hope he can. I hope he can sustain it through next season and and have a similar season again and get himself on the plane. Um, actually, there won't be any planes with him in the plane at Wembley. Get himself on the coach. Yeah, um, it is a shame. It's such a shame. He was he was a shoe in to be in that in that England team. So I just hope he has another season next season similar to this one, and he's he's in Gareth's plans. But um, as long as he's firing for Southampton, that's the main thing. That's that is the main thing exactly. All right. Well, until next week. Uh, thanks for joining me uh, today, Jack, and thanks for listening. Um, we again have just mentioned it, it'd be great if you could follow us on our social channels that's at OWT Saints pod um, we're we're pretty active especially on match day um, we're watching all the games and and trying to offer something a little bit different in terms of our uh, analysis and thoughts um, be great if you could uh, yeah just drop us comments or, or feedback or anything like that be fantastic but um but yeah Jack we'll be chatting next Sunday after the City game so have a good week until then Thanks, Pat. Speak to you next week. Speak to you then. Bye.